Jesus reserves none of his blood for himself. Whoa. He continues to pour himself out, to stand there and to take a crown on his head and bleed his precious blood for us, for the salvation and for the winning of souls, Mm. of humanity. Like he so desires that for each one of my children. Happy day to be alive. It's a great day to be alive. It is. Yeah. Did you go to mass this morning? No. I'm in my new routine. Okay. Okay. I'm doing my prayer time in the morning. Love that. Mm -hmm. And then going to mass. Later. Yeah. I was trying to do both. Right. But I was kidding myself. You did it for a while. I know, Jenna. (laughs) I can't figure out how to get back there. Yeah. It's a new season, Beth. Amen. Turn the page. Oh, I feel it. It is a new season. Yeah. And to be honest with you, that's a little bit why I feel this shift is inspired by the Lord. Mm. Because I was getting up at 5.30 for a brief period of time, getting up at 5.30 to have my prayer time, not super successfully, but I was doing it, hearing from the Lord because He's so generous. And then I was really rushing to get to 6.30 Mass, like to be ready to go to Mass. And then coming home pack my lunch, et cetera, et cetera, clean up every, you know, little reset, little tidy before I leave for the day. And then to be here at eight. And I just feel like the Lord is like, that's a lot of rushing. Yeah. And it's mostly the driving, like to leave and come back for mass. So this morning I just, I felt like very rooted at Mm. home, which was a very beautiful feeling. Mm -hmm. And I felt just peaceful moving through the morning. I love that. Yeah. So praise God, we live in a diocese that has many daily mass options. And I found a sweet little 515. So then I kind of wrap up my day. It's like I begin my day with prayer. Yes. I like wrap up the work day with prayer. That's the best. Yeah. What a gift. Amen. Thanks, Lord. I do love our diocese. Really? Yeah. It's incredible. Yes. Very grateful for it. Me too. The problem is I'm falling in love with Phoenix more Mm, and more. mm -hmm. Never thought that was going to happen. Easy to do. (laughs) Jenna Jenna has been on the AZ train since day one. Birth. Probably in the womb. Yeah, for sure. One of my daughters the other day asked me, where is the safest place to live from natural disasters? Wow. I was like, I don't know. we got to ask Alexa. Is it Arizona? I don't know. I never looked. Okay. Alexa? I mean, heat stroke happens here, so I don't know. I don't know that that's a natural disaster. (laughs) It's a natural consequence. Right. Like, we have dust storms. Haboobs. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to say it because it's so ridiculous. That's what it's called. I know, but why? I don't know. I don't name things. You got to talk to the early settlers and the indigenous people. Okay. Okay. You know? I'll put it on my to-do list. Or talk to Adam and Eve, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Take it up with the Lord. Yeah. Jenna, how's yeah. prayer going for you? Fine. You're just doing it. Yes. Yeah. When you can. Yes. As best you can. I left my divine intimacy somewhere. So I didn't have it this morning for prayer. But I thankfully, I had new wine to accompany me. Oh, praise God. And it was like beautiful. Really good. Wow. This book is really good. But I'm glad to have divine intimacy. We're back together again. Listen, I'm so bummed. I thought... I should have taken a picture of today because I was pretty sure you were going to try to pray in the morning. Oh, that's okay. I had new wine. Great. Thank you, Lord. It all worked out. Good. Yes. Talk to me about week 
four. Humiliation. It's a very intense word. It is intense. Also, because this is an intense situation. It is. Fermenting is intense. The crowning of thorns, intense. I was praying with that this morning, actually. Well, we prayed the Sorrowful Mysteries of the Rosary this morning. We pray the Rosary as a staff. Mm -hmm. And I always had a love for the crowning of thorns. Is it your favorite? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe today it is. (laughs) Wow. No, I, I still don't think it is. I don't think it is. Yeah. I had a really powerful encounter with Jesus in this third mystery on a silent retreat. Mm. And so I've always felt very at home, very connected to Jesus in the crowning of thorns. But this week's reflection helped me enter into it in a new way. The first time I read it, this word humiliation was a little... Jarring. Yeah. I was going to say like triggering in a Mm. way. And I had this memory come to the surface of my mind that is very embarrassing. It was something that happened in college. And I just remember it like in front of a group of people being mortified, Mm. feeling so small. And I've never really prayed into that memory. Yeah. I just kind of, do you ever do this? You just want to kind of pretend it didn't happen? Yeah. This is unusual for me, Mm. however. Okay. Like I'm fine going into my stuff typically, Mm. but there's some particular characteristic to embarrassment. Mm. It's like the shame is, I don't know, it's its own thing, you know? And I just felt when that memory was paired with this mystery, or I should say when this word humiliation mm-hmm. was paired with this mystery, I felt the Lord say like, it was wordless, right. you know, but it was as if the Lord was saying to me, this moment in the crowning of thorns was for that. I was humiliated because you were humiliated. Yeah. And I'd never allowed the Lord into that moment before. And it just opened up something in me that I was more able, suddenly, I wouldn't even say there was like healing or like a profound kind of inspiration, although I think that realization alone was profound. But even opening up that memory this morning, praying the rosary, just like very gently remembering it, it wasn't so overwhelming or mortifying, you know, because I like saw the Lord crowned with thorns standing next to me. I just wasn't alone in that memory. And I didn't even realize how alone I felt. You know, Mm -hmm. I I didn't realize that was a part of why I didn't want to get into it was because I just felt so, you know, like a spotlight on you, just embarrassed, you know? Totally. But the Lord standing right there, it was like, it mattered less. I don't know how to explain it. Mm. I experience this quite often, inviting the Lord into memories, you know, at His invitation, really, not me digging Him up or seeking it out. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, it was an experience I've had with the Lord in other memories that he's kind of invited me to explore with him or invite him into. It's like he takes the sting out. Mm. It's just not so visceral anymore, the pain of it or the embarrassment in this case, because there he is. And it is like he takes the sting out. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm excited to pray with that. To think about my most embarrassing moment Do you even have a, I'm not asking you to say it because I am certainly not going to share it on the podcast, mine, but do you have, am I alone in this or do you have like embarrassing moments? I definitely have one that was very significant Mm. as a child. Yeah. And I typically will feel embarrassed by myself frequently. Now. Yeah. (laughs) For example, (laughs) we were at the Blessed Is She Night 
yeah. you and I recently, and we were sitting with Kelsey, and we had conversation cards on the table, yes. which highly recommend you guys use these conversation cards. They're really amazing yeah. for conversations. Anyway, one of the questions was, how would your friend describe you in three words? And immediately, I thought about all of the negative things that mm. someone would say about me. Whoa. Annoying, loud, <gasps> you know, et cetera. Oh, Jenna. Anyway. Rebuked. I know. I know. But anyway, so I just think I have a lot of negative experiences Mm -hmm. that I think about myself. I can like come outside of myself and be like, wow, you're real annoying or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think there's a lot there, but there's like a significant embarrassing moment from childhood. Yeah. And I don't think I would have to dig very far. Again, I understand what you're saying. Like, we don't necessarily have to dig. The Lord illuminates it for us. Praise Him. But I think if I sit with that, there's probably a lot there. Well, I think even like me asking you the question, something was like illuminated almost immediately. Yeah. And that's an invitation. Yes. Well, I love my embarrassing story from childhood. Oh. Simply because I used it in the very first talk I ever gave. What? For an edge retreat when I was in high school. How sweet. Isn't that so sweet? Yeah. Are you going to share it right now? No. Oh, okay. Okay. But there was just like redemption in it because Mm. I prayed with it and like the Lord created this talk through it. Wow. You know? I don't ever see that happening with my embarrassing (laughs) moment, truly. (laughs) Again, I'm a child. I think childhood embarrassments are more innocent. Sure. Totally. I think in a way though, childhood embarrassments are felt more deeply Mm. because we're so innocent. We think it's way bigger than it is. For sure. You know, and then you say it to someone and they're like, oh, like that was such a kid thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it like shrinks it back down to size. We've talked about this, like looking at your children at certain ages and thinking, you know, these milestones in my own life, this memory in my story, this moment that feels so overwhelming, like that was Lucy. Mm -hmm. Like I was Lucy's size and age and heart, you know? And it has helped me tremendously with like self-compassion. Yes. Okay. What I loved and didn't really have a fully formed thought on, Mm. but just stood out to me let me guess, was it in the intro for week of four? Of course. <laughs> was it Claire's Claire words? Claire herself. <laughs> All right, page 63, we're in the intro to week four. Suffering with him allows for this to happen as the old dies on the floor of our selfish desires and we submit to the loving hands of the gardener who removes the dead and barren branches of our lives. I don't know, there was something about dying on the floor Mm. And that with that death, it kind of reminded me, I know nothing about gardening or anything at all in terms of the earth. (laughs) Okay. That's broad, but okay. (laughs) But something dying and like becoming the fresh soil for growth really speaks to me, I think. Mm. Is that a thing? Yeah. Yes. It's like composting, really. Yes. Yeah. This dead thing is just being gathered up and used for soil, for new life. Yes. And I'm super into that. As it's dying, it's like emitting these gases. Don't quote me on this. But that like compost actually becomes very rich soil. Yes. We talk about this 
it comes up regularly in the well mm. because we spend a week praying with the garden of our souls, garden of our hearts is is the language I kind of grew up using. But then I discovered <laughs> more broadly in like the history of the church and the lives of the saints, this is a very rich tradition, an image that's very rich for the saints, the garden of the soul. And time and time again, the Lord allows these painful experiences, failures, embarrassments to come to our minds or our hearts in prayer and refers to that substance as compost. Mm. And it's been so healing for me even to hear other women share about the compost of their lives becoming rich soil. You know, there's a death in it, right? And yet here comes beauty and blooming and life. Mm-hmm. I see that in people that I meet mm. or in situations that I'm in where I see someone who is obviously so intimate with the Lord. Mm. Like they know the Lord. You know, you can just like see it. Yes. You can feel His it. His life emanating from them. And I think only recently did I start thinking this because someone brought it to my attention. But I think that came from great suffering. Wow. Yeah. You're so right. Yeah. I mean, it's just like Claire said in this intro. When we go through the difficulties of suffering and we're given this new wineskin, we are more receptive to what the Holy Spirit has to say to us. We're more unified with Him. We're unified in the Paschal mystery of suffering, death, and resurrection. And so we're seeing before us someone who is living in the resurrection. Mm. And that constant cycle of suffering, death, and resurrection will come again. It always will. Yes. And even more suffering comes more Holy Spirit, comes more intimacy with the Lord. And so again, we get to experience this person who is so deeply intimate with him that it's coming out of their pores because of what they've gone through, whether it be physical suffering, emotional suffering, humiliation, mental anguish, that they are just constantly on their knees in front of the Lord, and He's coming even closer to them, even closer than we could imagine. I had this grace in Mass. It was just this fleeting kind of inspiration. I don't know if it was the readings this past Sunday, but just this overwhelming sense that the gospel is everything, Mm. the gospel is true. And what I mean by that is there is no other way than this way that Jesus lays out, this pattern that he lays out of suffering, death, and resurrection, this intimate life with God. Because we see this in history, we see it in the church. If we're honest, we see it in our own lives that when we strive for position Mm. or power to secure life on our own, it falls apart. It's a very fragile thing, and it's one with a lot of violence. And I don't necessarily mean outward violence, maybe the way we would think about it, but this like interior kind of striving and pushing and grasping, right? And you have to work very hard to keep it. I know I, I'm speaking kind of abstractly, but I'm, I think I'm trying to understand even what I felt in that moment in prayer, that really the only way is to be little, is to be small, is to be crushed and pressed and made new again and again and again. It's one of my favorite quotes, actually, from The Way of the Disciple by Erasmo Levamerococcus. He says, that is why the contemplative life is the boldest and most adventuresome of undertakings. 
for what could be more radical, more truly earth-shattering than the willingness to be dismantled Mm -hmm. and created anew, not once or twice in a lifetime, but day after day. That is what I've signed up for. (laughs) That is what I want. I want to be changed. I want to be radically dismantled and made new. I don't want to be made in the image of the world. I don't want to be made in the image of my own desires or my own definition of beauty or my own definition of success or this life that I've arranged for myself very carefully and methodically that ultimately is ash, is like a house of cards. Mm. I want to be another Christ. I want to live that pattern again and again, which means entering into the suffering. Because otherwise, I love this language Claire uses, otherwise I become this stiff and brittle wineskin, so sensitive, so fragile. Mm -hmm. And I think we know people like that, and we've felt that in ourselves these times where we're just fragile, where our happiness is so fragile, our comfort is so fragile, and if it's disruptive, suddenly we're a mess, Mm -hmm. or we're angry or resentful. But the beauty of becoming new wine is that the Lord gives us this new wine skin. Like it's not even the inside has changed. Everything about us is transformed. We have a new wine skin that's able to, in Claire's words, ever stretching, expanding, pulling us into a deeper and greater reality. Yes, please. That's what I want. I want this like mystery of growing and changing and uniting Mm. with him. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean about that like fragility of having to have your own way? Say an example. I think comfort is the best example, actually. Like I like my food Mm. a certain way. And if we don't get it, we fall apart. Yes. Yeah. If there's a line and we're running late, you know, Mm -hmm. if there's traffic, if someone doesn't receive us in the way and and suddenly we're very offended, which is all pride, really. Mm -hmm. But like if we've been crushed, if we've been, man, I can't get away from that word pressed. I've been Mm -hmm. praying with that word pressed Mm -hmm. for whatever, however many days. I want to be pressed so that I'm not so easily offended, Mm. so that my peace isn't so fragile. Totally. You know? Yes. This like this back to that image of Jesus at the second station of the cross, like arms out embracing his cross. There's something too, I feel like you're describing in these people Mm. that like holiness is just coming off of them. There's a surrender to life, to like what's happening in life for better or for worse. My spiritual director refers to it as being in reality. Okay. Like this is reality. Wow. Instead of pushing against it and fighting it and trying to arrange it so that it would be different, instead I'm like, I'm just surrendering to the presence of God in the reality that I'm in. Wow. Right? That's crazy. I mean, that's the whole spirituality of the sacrament of the present moment or is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Never read it, but I think that's the gist. (laughs) I don't know if that's what it's called. Practicing the presence of God? No, that's Brother Lawrence. Something about the present moment, also known as... Abandonment to Divine Providence by Jean-Pierre de Cossade. I've never read it. No, me either. I have it. It's in Nunkchepi. It is. Quotes of it are yes. in Nunkchepi. That's right. I've read some quotes. <laughs> That's what I took away from it, you know? Lest you think we are, you know? I should read that. My list of things to read is growing. I think I f- might eventually be able to read Personal Prayer. 
What? Don't you think? Am I graduating there, you think? Jenna, I think you're ready for personal prayer. Yeah. First, I think I need a refresh of time for God. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that so true, though? We just have these places, these words that are so precious, that just invite us in so deep. That's how you are with time for God. Yeah. Father Jacques Philippe is my guy. I think he's everybody's guy. Like, what suffering has Father Jacques Philippe gone through? to write and to talk about Jesus the way he has. Jenna, you know what I'm remembering right now? Tell me. I'm remembering that interaction we had at a retreat. Okay. Do you remember this? Yes. This is what initially made me understand. That comment changed my life. Is that something you can share? We had a retreat and an attendee of the retreat, Kristalina Evert, was there. Our friend. Yeah. I think it was her first retreat. It was, yeah. So it was the beginning of the blossoming of the friendship. Mm. And... She came up to me after retreat and just had massive tears in her eyes, Mm. was so incredibly touched at the weekend and what God was doing in that room. And she said, this was incredible. I've never seen anything like this. The church needs this. Women need this. Someone suffered for this. Mm. Like this came from profound suffering. This is fruit of profound suffering. And I was so incredibly struck by that. Mm. No one had ever said that to me. That was a foreign concept to me to think that so much good can come from something so painful. Mm-hmm. And so I just got tears in my eyes like immediately to think of like the years of suffering that I've gone through and yeah, to just like she saw redemption in it. Mm. And so like we've been talking about for these past weeks, there is deep meaning in it for the first time. Mm. But what did you think when I told you about it? For me, yeah, it opened up a whole new way of seeing the world, my own life and ministry. Like I can't overstate the importance of that statement in my life. Because then a year later, I wasn't able to go to revival tour that we did at the end of the summer in 2021 because I had COVID pneumonia. And I'm in no way, you know, diminishing Kelsey's incredible bravery and courage, Nell's sacrifice, Father Mark Mary's sacrifice. Everyone sacrificed to make that happen in my absence. And yet I, you know, in bed, like weeping, (laughs) with suffering, with disappointment, but in intercession. I'd never experienced that kind of exchange Mm -hmm. of suffering for intercession in such a powerful way. And it was incredibly fruitful. Mm -hmm. And for me, I was able to learn in real time that this is what suffering wins for us. Mm -hmm. There's a quote from the book, I Believe in Love. We read that as a Blessed Issue book club. And Father says, suffering is currency for souls in the apostolate. And I've seen that again and again. Mm. Every time we host an event, what I used to think of as spiritual attack, you know, or (laughs) just stress, like obstacles. And now I think, oh, thank God, like the Lord really wants to bless this. And so he's invited someone to sit out, someone to suffer. Not that God causes suffering, but allows it so that we might partner with him in that redemptive work of dying and rising. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's Luke 12, I think I'm quoting that right, that unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Yes. I was recently praying with the agony in the garden 
our favorite mm-hmm. mystery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's all deeply personal. And the beautiful thing about this relationship with the Lord and contemplative prayer is everything means something. You know, the more time you spend with the Lord, the more you understand images and words. And there's a a language that he speaks that's only for you, Mm -hmm. you know? And so this, of course, has like a profoundly personal consequence for me. But I was just meditating. You'll love this because it's about the blood. (laughs) (laughs) I was like on the ground next to Jesus in the Garden of Olives, which is an olive grove. And I went to the Holy Land about 10 years ago, so I see that very vividly. And in fact, at the time this episode comes out, we'll be in Jerusalem, which is kind of insane to think that as I'm telling you this story, Mm. we may actually be in the Garden of Olives. Thank you, Jesus. But I was on the ground next to him, and I saw these great drops of blood and sweat falling from, I mean, like dripping down his arm, falling from his face and just falling on the ground. And I watched that and I felt it that his blood and sweat, blood and water, again, were saturating the soil of this olive grove. That it was his suffering, his blood, the water from his own body that was nurturing this orchard of olive trees, which again, (laughs) is not about olives, you know, it's about my life essentially. And for me, that's a framework. That's a deep understanding in my body that his suffering and mine nurtures the ground from which the harvest will come. That's so cool. Isn't that insane? Yeah. Prayer is so crazy. It is. Like I could never have come up with that. The Holy Spirit is so insane, brilliant. Mm -hmm. He's brilliant. He's creative. He's generous. He's kind. He makes connections and shows you things I don't even remember about my own life, gives meaning to seemingly meaningless suffering. And suddenly there's even, and I know we want to be like careful about this, but it actually makes you love the suffering because it's so full of him. Mm -hmm. I was reading the hymn for this week. Mm. Well, it's the hymn every week, (laughs) but I was reading it again and just asking the Lord, like, is there anything you want to shine a light on Lord Mm. for me in this hymn? And the line that stood out to me today on page 76, Jesus reserves none of his blood for himself. Whoa. And so that just reminds me of this olive grove and that Jesus not only does that for you and for me, but he reserves none of it for himself. He continues to pour himself out, to stand there and to take a crown on his head and bleed his precious blood for us, for the salvation and for the winning of souls, Mm. of humanity. Like he so desires that for each one of my children, Mm. for our work neighbors, (laughs) for the guys across the street. Yeah. He is in an olive grove bleeding for John Smith. You know what I mean? You're talking about the Mormon prophet or are you just being... <laughs> That's Joseph Smith. I oh. <laughs> I, was saying, I was saying just a name. Okay. For Joe Schmo. Every single human soul. Reserves none of it. He holds on to none of it. He is completely emptied out, taking the form of a slave. <laughs> I mean, yes. thank you, St. Paul. Yes. Just poured out for us. He holds nothing back. No. I feel that that's a word spoken to me by the Lord that's really defined like the last year of my life in prayer. 
is this reality. I hold nothing back from you. And actually, he spoke it. The context of it is in this scripture. And they spat upon him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. It wasn't in this context. That word for me was just before the crucifixion when they take off that seamless garment. But this word of being stripped, he holds nothing back. None of his own dignity. He doesn't try to protect himself or hide anything or hold anything back. He's literally stripped for us. And to your point, stripped even in his flesh, stripped away and bleeding out, pouring out, holding nothing back for us. As I've shared on this podcast, I really like comfort. (laughs) And I can like give and give and give to my family, mostly to my family, you know, friendships, sometimes friendships, but mostly family. Mm. And I think there's a disordering. I don't know. I'll take this as spiritual direction also, but like of thinking I deserve a break or Mm. like I'm pouring myself out. When am I going to get mine? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. And that has so been quenched and satisfied in my personal prayer time every morning where that has subsided, that feeling or thinking that I'm entitled to like me time or a break. But I'm like, he reserved nothing. Like he didn't hold out anything on me. He just kept on pouring it out for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I want to be holy <laughs> and I want to pour out for my family and hold nothing back from them. Yes. That like my selfishness would just die. For example, practical example, my five-year-old asked for a smoothie this morning and that's like a whole thing. Gabs. <laughs> like, you know, you have to take all the stuff out. It's going to yeah. be really loud. It's going to wake up the baby. It's a whole thing. And also our babysitter makes a mean smoothie. And so I said, why don't you just wait for Stephanie to come? Our babysitter, she'll make you a smoothie. She's like, no, I can't wait. And I'm making myself something to eat. And I'm like so badly in my humanity, my fallen humanity, want to just make my breakfast and be like, she can wait 20 minutes for Stephanie to come, who will make her a delicious smoothie and she will be happy. And I was like, it wasn't conscious. But I just recognized my selfishness Mm. and like took the blender down, took all the stuff out, started making the smoothie. Like my life is for her. Wow. This is everything is to give her all of me. Yes. Anyway, I made the smoothie. She's like, you're making me a smoothie? She's very surprised. Sure I am. Here you go. It doesn't taste like Stephanie's. No (laughs) way, Jenna. No way. Jenna. <laughs> it was so funny. I was like, that's why I encouraged you to wait till Stephanie came. <laughs> I'm just dying for you it and was for amazing. her. Can we talk about a couple of things here? You know, Gabby teaches me more about the Father than probably anyone I've ever met. She teaches me more about the Lord than anyone I know. And Jenna, can I just highlight for you that Gabby feels so loved and secure? Mm so secure in your love that she would ask you for anything. Yeah. That there's nothing in her little heart that thinks, oh, mom might not do this for me. Mm -hmm. I'm an inconvenience to mom. I'm annoying. My needs need to be suppressed. What a beautiful thing Yeah, that she feels. I don't want to say entitled, but like Mm -hmm. she wouldn't even question that you would make her a smoothie. And I feel like that 
is what the Lord wants from us, Mm. that you actually wouldn't be afraid to ask me for anything because I would give you everything. I would pour out everything. So you're like the Lord, and the Lord is speaking to me through Gabs, as per Yush. Also, just in the mysterious economy of God, like what grace that little death to self accomplished for you, for her, for someone who has no one to pray for them. This is the reality of suffering. And yes, inconvenience and death to self and comfort, and it's all worth so much. It did feel like it feels insignificant, but it felt very profound. Jenna, I feel the opposite. I'm like, wow, that is a huge victory. Yeah of God's grace over self. I'm thinking about this article. I shared it with you last night because I can't stop thinking about it. Okay. I don't feel like I saw it. I didn't send it to you, even though you asked oh, me to. Oh, you verbally shared it. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. It was all about the Antichrist. Stay with me. Okay, this is kind of intense. I go, wah, wah. Yeah, totally. I'm not into the Antichrist. But it gets good, right? Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> basically saying Hollywood, culture at large is very taken by this narrative of good over evil and specifically revelation of the Antichrist, right? Everybody's trying to understand what he's going to look like. Is he going to be a real person? Blah, blah, blah. And how we can get kind of obsessed culture as well as Christians can become kind of fixated on trying to identify evil or the Antichrist specifically. We want the knowledge. Yeah, I know that's not where you're going, but— yeah. What this author said is that how about instead of looking for the Antichrist in another person, in human history, in politics, what if we looked at the Antichrist in us? Literally, if we would, by the light of the Holy Spirit, examine what in us is opposed to Christ, the antithesis of Christ, which is to say sin. And then he says this killer line. He gives examples like, is it this? Is it that? And then he says, but if we're honest, its name is Legion, for they are many, these things in us that are not like Christ. And I'm like, yeah, let the pressing (laughs) continue. Let the fermenting come. Like I want to live in this process of working out everything in me that is not of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. Mm -hmm. I was so grateful to Mary Ruth for sharing her story so vulnerably Mm -hmm. because I know this is like a very tender place for her just because I love her and we're friends with her and we're in the Holy Land with her right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like it was so beautiful to see this story kind of have a beautiful ending Mm -hmm. to it. And as she shared, it is a rare gift to see the rewards of humiliation of this humiliating act in her life. And I kind of think that's probably not the majority of our experience. Right. The majority of us have a humiliating experience, an embarrassing moment, and haven't seen the rewards of it yet, haven't seen it come out the other side into the light. And so I just wonder, since we were talking about it, how do you think we could begin to pray with that? Or what does Mm. that look like to process that with the Lord? Mm -hmm. Well, I do want to just echo what a rare gift it is. Yes. <laughs> to see the reward. That was so beautiful, that word reward mm. of humiliation, like the reward for our suffering. I think mm. it's rare to see that except through the eyes of faith, no matter the humiliation, no matter the suffering. But I think the reward 
becomes more visible the more intimacy we have with the Lord in prayer, Mm. the more we allow Him into those painful points, those painful memories, those painful seasons, even whole seasons in our story. I think the reward may not be seen by anyone else, (laughs) right? We may not be vindicated out there in the world, but the reward is felt and received in our souls. There was something lost or wounded in that moment that the Lord is not okay with. Mm. He's not okay with me living my life, even with like the vague memory of it, Mm. you know? Totally. Not that I, I don't think about it every day, but on some deep level, it has shaped me. That experience has shaped me. It's informed my identity, and the Lord's not okay with that. It kind of reminds me of having like a chip off of a painting, and the mm. Lord wants the whole thing restored. Yeah, He wants the whole thing back together wow. again. Wow, that's very good. Yeah, like could you be okay with just this hairline crack yeah. in this one, I mean, half an inch, you yeah. know? I mean, you'd have to have a magnifying glass. What do those little art dealers have? That little mm-hmm. thing they pinch in their eye. If you're watching on video, you know <laughs> what I'm talking about. You would have to be looking for imperfections, mm-hmm. assessing the value of this piece of art, you know, to the naked eye, you would just think, oh, it's a beautiful painting. But for the Lord, he's like, no. Mm-hmm. He's like a true restorer. Yes. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Thanks for saying that. So even just my like cursory exploration of this in prayer with the Lord this week has been through the rosary, through the mysteries mm-hmm. of the rosary, and being with Jesus kind of with an eye on his humiliation. Mm-hmm. Not only the verbal assault of those mocking words and this, I mean, the spit is so violent. It's so jarring to think about him as a man. I don't know. Men do not like suffer humiliation like that. Just like so gentle in the face of it. You know, I'm thinking of Isaiah 53, like a sheep before it shears, like a lamb led to the slaughter. He opened not his mouth and like to just pray with that line and so do you, even as I'm describing this, I'm giving you many entry points, yes. like his silence, the spit, the words, and maybe you even hear coming out of the mouth of one of the soldiers, the words that were said to you, or you feel, you know, that bully in third grade pushing you and that's the spit. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Like you find an entry point, I would say in the gospel, actually, a single word even, and to pray with that one word and to allow the Holy Spirit in this unbelievable way that he does to make it for us. Mm -hmm. Like we're experiencing it now through Jesus experiencing it. Reminds me of Claire's words early in the devotional about an entry point, our wounds as an entry point. Mm -hmm. So what is the entry point into the suffering of Jesus that lines up with your suffering? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. So that could be the gospel like the words of the gospel, or it could be a detail in your meditative, imaginative type Ignatian style prayer with the mysteries of the rosary, with the sorrowful mysteries. Two brilliant ideas. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Yeah, amen. Well, should we pray? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. You're already here, but We pause to become aware of your presence with us, and we open up to you ever so gently, 
with your help, we open up those moments of humiliation, of embarrassment. Jesus, thank you for your own humiliation, embarrassment, those evil mocking words, Lord. Thank you that you endured it for us to be able to enter into this moment with us, for us. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and they gathered the whole battalion before him and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe upon him and plating a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spat upon him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put on and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. Holy Spirit, with profound tenderness, as you always do in our souls, would you open up to us that entry point in our own story and in the story of Jesus so that we might be restored with him. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, of the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, holy moly. Wow. You know, I thought I had my most embarrassing moment, but the Lord showed me in that prayer, even that moment, that painful moment in college, he surfaced it actually to give me the courage actually to go to a deeper moment wow. that I had like totally suppressed that like just came to my heart in that prayer. Mm. But I have so much more courage to, mm. to face it. It was so quick to find him in it because actually the embarrassment, the suffering was the entry point to the deeper healing. Wow. Does that make sense? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. How about you? Anything? Anything to share? No. Just grateful. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Petey. Thanks, Jenna. Talk soon. Okay. Bye. bye. Have a safe flight, Jenna. You too. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>